You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. Boy, I'm going to prepare you right now. Get your pencil, paper ready. We're going to cover a lot of ground right now. Luke has a record in the Olivet Discourse that is not uh, recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel has so much in chapter 24, but Luke's Gospel has a little element that Matthew didn't record, and it's very important. It has to do with timing. And so Jesus is talking about end times, and keep in mind, he's talking primarily to the Jews who at that time were not even born yet. And this will be a guide to them when they are in their darkest hour in what we call the tribulation period. But he gives a little hint of when this might all begin. And he says in Luke 21, 29, he spoke to them a parable. Spoke, how'd you like that? Spake. Uh, he, and he said, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is now nigh at hand. So likewise you, when you see these things come to pass, know you that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Now for Jesus to say it like that, when he says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't pass away, it means that that there will be a time when it will look like his words will not come to pass, that people will doubt them and wonder what he meant and cast shade on them. That's what it means. And so uh, what we have here is the only timepiece that is connected to all of the end of the age prophecies. It is a timepiece, and it is the nation of Israel. That's what the fig tree is. Hosea 9 and verse 10 says this, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree, at her first time. The fig tree is a picture of political Israel. Now, uh, somebody said, I I thought that Israel was the olive tree. The Abrahamic covenant is the olive tree. Abraham's family is the olive tree. When you believe on Jesus, you are grafted in according to the book of Romans. We are placed into the family of Abraham. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. So we become part of the olive tree. Remember, the olive has oil, the fig does not. So we are connected by the Holy Spirit uh, to the covenant of Abraham when we receive Christ. However, just because you're a born-again believer doesn't mean you are a citizen of Israel, the political entity. There's a difference between the human government and the spiritual covenant that God made with Abraham and his family. Now, the prophet Ezekiel lays out a sequence for this new birth of Israel, for the fig tree to be restored. And I want to read some things to you here. I'm going to read it out in New King James. And uh, it's a threefold prophecy, and here's how it starts. 
It's uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. And this is what he says in verse 6. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel. This is not talking about people. It is not talking about boundaries. It's not talking about a government. It is talking about dirt. Say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, and the valleys, thus says the Lord God, behold, I've spoken in my jealousy and in my fury because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Every nation around the nation of Israel has become inferior to her. Right now, the people in the country of Lebanon, going into the winter, they do not even have power. Their economy is in ruins. Syria, which was once very mighty, has been uh, uh, caught in a deadly civil war, weakened significantly, lost a huge section of its population. Jordan has not fought against Israel in a long time, made peace with Israel, but still isn't nearly as strong as the nation of Israel. Nor is Egypt. Egypt lives tenuously. What I want you to see is all of these nations. Iraq was another one of those countries that was set against the nation of Israel. They have been weakened, decimated. Every nation that, that stood against the rebirth of Israel has been dealt with in great uh, wrath by God. He's already weakened them. God said to Abraham, I will bless him who blesses you. I will curse him who curses you. Then God says, you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed I am for you, I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times, and do better things for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, there are critics who say that, well, the Israeli people or the Jewish people came in and took the land from the poor Palestinians. Listen to me. Before the Israelis came to establish their land, before the Jews came to establish their land and reclaim the land, there were very few Arab peoples living in the country. And uh, that's a fact of history. The land simply could not sustain a large population. Under the Turks who controlled the land up until 1917, there was a great fear of an invasion. And they, they dammed up creeks and so forth to create swamps that were filled with malaria. And there, there was not a way for a large population to be sustained. There's a practical thing going on here. You can't have all these millions of Jewish people coming here from all over the world unless there is something to take care of them. And it was the Jewish people who came and reclaimed the land. When they did, a large number of Arab people came and joined them, but they were not historically there in great numbers. Great book to read on this with all of the history is a book called From Time Immemorial, and it has documentation for everything that I'm saying.
Now, basically, the whole of Ezekiel 36 is a prophecy about the land being restored. The land had to become restored. And the first wave of Jewish immigration back into the land was for agriculture. And they formed these kibbutzim, which are the collective farms, and they began to drain the swamps and find all kinds of ways to feed themselves. And what they have done in that part of the world is legendary. They export food. They feed nations around them. They feed Europe. They are amazing in their agricultural ability. They're responsible for so many breakthroughs. Now, we come then to Ezekiel 37, Next phase. The next phase is that there is a rebirth of the people. The hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Now, now this is, this is kind of morbid, really. Ezekiel is carried into a place where there are human bones scattered all over the place. And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. They'd been dead for a long time and out of the land for a long time. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, then shall you know that I am the Lord. So, Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Look at verse 11, Ezekiel 37. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost. We ourselves are cut off. So, At a time in Israel's history, in the history of the Jewish people, when it is the most desolate, the darkest time, when there's death and destruction, God restores them and brings them as people back into their country. When was that? After the Holocaust. And that is what happened beginning uh, really in about 1898, 1899, somewhere along there. The movement began to happen, but it came in earnest in the late 1940s at the close of World War II. And the survivors of the Holocaust and Jewish people from all over the world began to return to the land. They didn't come all at once. The land and the economy couldn't sustain them all at once. But little by little, they began to come back and come up. Uh, It's called making Aliyah, which means to go up. And they went back to the land, Uh, an amazing thing that they did. And I predicted this back in the late uh, 1980s. And uh, uh, one of the women in Israel, who who was a a Jewish lady there, asked me, how did you know this? And I said, your prophets declare it. I said, there's going to be a tremendous exodus of Jewish people from Russia, and they're going to come into the land. Do you know that uh, 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 there is uh, more Russian spoken in Israel 
than any other part of the world except Russia and one other country. It is the third most pop, uh, most popular language. Well, let me put it like this. <clears throat> the, the Russian language is spoken by more people in Israel than any other nations of the world but Russia and one other. So there you go. Uh, it's an amazing thing what has happened. Now, the restoration of Israel is accompanied by an incredible harvest. And that's why it's important to us. Now, in the church, we do not have any prophecy about us in a time frame bringing about this harvest. The harvest is symbolized or signaled by the restoration of the land of Israel. This is what we just read in Luke chapter 21. He spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer, which is harvest, is now nigh at hand. Uh, the shooting forth of the fig tree was not the only tree that shot forth. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree shoot forth and all the trees, over a hundred different countries have been born since 1948 when Israel became a nation. Think about that for a minute. Over a hundred different countries. Never, ever in the history of the world have so many new governments been born. Now why is this important? Very important. Listen to me. When you go to a country, you are supposed to go through a door. So one of the reasons we have a real crisis in America right now is because our doors don't exist and people are able to come without an official entry. And God ordained borders. God ordained countries. God ordained nations. And these governments are doors to their nations. Now all of these nations existed, but not as independent countries. They were part of a great commonwealth. The great European powers, Portugal, Germany, France, Britain, all of these powers, Italy, they had colonies all over the world. And they were so afraid of losing their colonies that they closed doors. They restricted what could get in and out of these nations. And what happened since 1948, there has been an explosion of these new governments, and every government represents a door. And now it is possible to go to a country and preach the gospel, whereas it might not have been possible 75, 80 years ago before these great colonial powers had uh, given independence to those nations. And now each one of these countries can think for itself. They can open their own doors. And many of them are open because they want to see these ideas and they want to curry the favor. And they recognize that there is a benefit to allowing the gospel of Christ to be preached in their nations. And that's what we've seen. This opening of doors. So there have been a hundred new nations or more born since 1948. Now, there is also an incredible harvest of souls that comes with this. Listen to what the Apostle James said. He's talking about the last days in James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Here's what he says. Be patient, brothers, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman or the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be, she, be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now he ties two ideas together. One is the Lord's coming back. That was the second idea. But before the Lord came back, there's a harvest. 
And so the end of the age is connected to a harvest so great that none of us can imagine it. Why would that be? Well, there are a number of reasons. But there are more people to be reached on planet Earth than at any other time in history. There were never more than a billion people on planet Earth till about 1870, somewhere in that range. No more than a billion on planet Earth at any one time at 1870. But in the early part of the 20th century, before World War II, just before, we reached 2 billion in population. Now we are at 7 billion and counting. There are more people alive on earth today. And what's crazy is we have the means to reach them. And there are places where the gospel has not yet penetrated, but the barriers to the preaching of the gospel are coming down, not just politically, but also technologically and also with transportation. And it is amazing what God is doing to equip His church to get the gospel into every corner of the earth. Jesus said that the harvest would begin in earnest when the fig tree was shooting forth. And when Israel became a nation in uh, 1948, it's also the time of the great healing revival. When the Six-Day War was fought in 1967, there was the great charismatic outpouring. You have seen these parallel moves of God so that as He restores Israel, He also does an accompanying move in the church. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you believe in harvest, you ought to rejoice when Israel does well. Because when Israel does well, the church moves forward in great power. All the time that I have for today, but we're not done. We will pick up here tomorrow. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.